Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Tavita, and I'm here at the United Feed Podcast with Tim and his wife. And can you please introduce your wife to the podcast, please? Good evening. Uh, Good evening. My wife is Annika. Annika. Um, she's here with me tonight. Um, she is a nurse. She's working in nurse education at the hospital down there. She has her master's degree that she graduated with uh, last year. Um, but I'll let her tell you guys yeah. more about that. Uh, my name is Annika Cleveland. Um, I am uh, a nurse. I, my background is in intensive care. I worked five years in the medical ICU. Um, and then I recently graduated with my master's of science in nursing education. Um, and I'm currently functioning at, as the clinical educator at Haiti Adventist Hospital in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Wow. Uh, and if anybody was listening, I'll get the spelling so you guys can look in the link below. Um, but awesome. Thank you guys for joining me and Tim. And I'm just going to go ahead and go through the questions that I sent earlier. Uh, so what are you both looking forward to doing out there uh, as a couple? So uh, the reason why I, I wanted to ask as a couple is because it's to me, it's pretty rare to go as a duo. Um, and that's that's pretty cool to me. So go ahead and ask answer that question if you would, both of you. Absolutely. So. One of the things that we um, are looking forward to is doing meaningful work. Um, we both have worked in the healthcare field in the U.S. Um, and in the U.S., you kind of serve, uh, at least for me in orthotics and prosthetics, I serve the population that can afford a prosthesis. We do an occasional free prosthesis here and there. Mm -hmm. In Haiti, we're really kind of doing the opposite of that. If you can pay full price for a prosthesis, you're probably going to fly to the U.S. and pay for a prosthesis. Mm -hmm. So we're taking care of a different percentage of the population. So in the U.S., we kind of take care of the 90% that has health care and can afford a prosthesis. That ratio is kind of flipped on its head in Haiti. And so mm -hmm. in Haiti, we're kind of taking care of the 90% who can afford health care. The 10% that can afford health care is mm -hmm. probably just going to go internationally for that health care. So we feel like we're serving um, a needy population and that creates for meaningful work for us. We're mm. also excited about um, learning a new language together and exploring a culture as it's kind of fun. Mm. Anything to add? Annika? <laughs> that's awesome. That? that That's actually really, really incredible helping. And why you said you're trying to allow people. So are you trying to start a business type of clinic? out there in Haiti? So uh, for me, at least we, we do, we are planning on charging for care. Okay. The amount that we're going to charge, um, we feel is reasonable for most people. Um, for some people, it's, it's quite outrageous. The cost is just too high, mm -hmm. but what the hospital has set up is we have a financial counselor. And so what that patient will do that, um, maybe can't afford the full price is they'll sit down with our financial counselor and they will discuss different options on how to come up with a price that is within their limits, but they're still paying for mm -hmm. the service to some extent. Oh, so they definitely will not be paying full price or even half price, but there is still an opportunity for that patient to get the device. Oh, okay. I mean, I think that's fair, and it helps the economy over there, and it provides money, right? Correct. So, um, unfortunately, healthcare has costs associated with it. We have mm -hmm. tools, we have um, different materials that we use and, and those cost of money. So we want to try and help um, provide for those costs. And we also want to employ the local population. Mm -hmm. So we'll need technicians, we'll need translators. Um, learning a language is hard and 
I don't have Creole mastered by any means. <laughs> um, I'm quite the beginner, but um, I'm probably going to have to hire a translator to help me on a daily basis when seeing patients. And, you know, we have to have somebody to help make appointments. And there's a lot of things that go into um, operating um, a clinic that uh-huh. we want to help employ the, the local population with. That's also amazing. Technicians and other um, practitioners. But mm. yeah, it seems kind of harsh to charge a poor person um, who needs a leg um, money for that prosthesis. But what doing that, charging a um, a fair price or a price that a patient can afford, which mm-hmm. is nowhere close to a U.S. price for that um, same prosthesis, that enables them to um, know that what they are getting is a something of quality, yeah. something they have a little bit of investment in. Mm-hmm. Um, that also really um, we don't want to run local people out of business. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so if we just come in and provide all of this care for free. That doesn't incentivize anybody in Haiti to ever do prosthetics. Yeah. If this is just money funded from the U.S. that someone can get for free, that doesn't grow an industry. Yeah. Um, and we are interested in there being um, mm-hmm. places where someone can get a prosthesis in Haiti for a long time, mm-hmm. um, not just when not just completely dependent upon donations from the United States. Yeah. So we are, our goal is to set something up and we, we by all indications, I think we're going to be able to pull it off where mm-hmm. the, the day-to-day running of it will be able to be covered. Yeah. Um, we're, we'll need some occasional help with like capital expenses, mm-hmm. uh, startup costs and stuff like that. But the day-to-day salaries for workers and uh, bare bones costs for a um, prosthesis can be covered and charge a small affordable fee that someone in Haiti could could afford. That's awesome. And I think for where, so Tim's doing is doing the prosthetics and you're doing nursing. And I think that's awesome. And education is so important on both, both fronts, right? Some is a physical physical object which is a prosthesis or uh, whatnot and then tim Mm -hmm. you're also offering education and you're also offering education uh, correct and that in itself will be able to pay itself in the future is that is that kind of what you're thinking of yeah i'm really excited to um, be able to empower nurses who are already working in Haiti who know their local culture and their local language and understand the nuances of their patients. Um, I'm excited about uh, the opportunity to provide them with good evidence-based care Mm -hmm. that they uh, teach them about good evidence-based care so that they can then apply that to their own setting. Um, And that can persist uh, after after I've done my time there and can continue to inspire them mm. uh, throughout their nursing career. So yeah. I'm excited about that capability. Yeah, that's that's going to be incredible because I think uh, both both of you understand um, education is not only about understanding or learning it yourself, but how to find it, what to look for, how to seek it out and know that what you're trying to say and what you're trying to educate them. And if they're going to educate themselves to have reliable resources that they can go to, um, they can ask good questions and know the people to ask those questions because, you know, misinformation happens everywhere around the world. 
but it would be nice mm-hmm. for both of you to show them, you know, good information and allow, and you'd be able to practice it to prove your point that things are good and good for them individually. And I think that in itself is going to pay and it like pay itself back, you know, a million times back because now they're educated and they can continue educating their kids. And that's how you yeah. create like a nice ecosystem of healthy living. Awesome. Yeah. And how will you continue to grow? So, and I'm, I'm focusing mainly on just as a couple. So how do you, how are you guys focusing on growing as a couple uh, while serving? Because at least from my perspective, when I look in, I just think that when you're together as a couple, you can get drawn into service, right? And then there's a lot of sacrifices that both of you would be making to other people, you know, the ones that you're serving, like your time and your effort. But how are you going to continue as a couple while serving? Um, is it just a, a question for those that are listening in that may want to be couples out there and are scared of burning out while serving? You definitely have to set time aside. Um, You've been kind of talking about burnout a little bit. Mm-hmm. In the States, I found it ironically easier to burn out. Oh. Um, you get, for me at least, I got really involved. Work was away from the house. Work was, um, I could stay at my office late and I, I didn't want to bring work home. So you stay late and you, you end up at work till 8 o'clock at night. Yeah. And it kind of defeats the purpose. So um, in Haiti, because we do live on campus, um, mm-hmm. it's a blessing and a challenge. So I can be walking around working on stuff and I'll see my wife and it's, you know, it's five o'clock, it's five thirty, it's time to go home. You know, work can wait till tomorrow. So mm. in that sense, it's a blessing being on campus. That being said, we have to set a time. We have to set aside time for us ourselves to get off of campus together um, and get out into nature or um, we like to go hiking. Uh, I've also purchased a kind of like a, basically a motorcycle down there that, uh, we've gone on a couple rides, oh, wow. taking her up into the hills and going, there's a supermarket kind of in downtown Port-au-Prince, uh, it's actually in Petchenville, which is the nicer part of town that we've been able to ride to and go get sandwiches on a Sunday afternoon. So there's, there's some opportunities to, to get away from campus, which is a blessing in itself. Wow. Yeah. I think it's important. Like it is, it's fun to work with Tim. We worked at separate um, institutions in the state and would come home and when you come home after a long work day you just kind of compare like the struggles from work that day um, when we're working in Haiti we do a lot of our work together we are learning the language together <laughs> Excellent. Um, and our offices are right across the hallway from each other and that's kind of fun mm. um, it's fun to see each other throughout the work day and um, really tackle challenges together mm-hmm. um, but I agree that it is, it is important to set aside time to not just work together, but to um, to grow together, to play together. Mm-hmm. Um, we set aside Sabbath as uh, Saturday as a day of rest, and we use that time to reconnect with God, reconnect with each other, and reconnect kind of with our um, recharge our batteries. Recharge mm-hmm. our batteries, and um, that's been important for us to maintain our spirits and mm-hmm. 
um, and grow together as a couple and as people. Oh, that's awesome. Because to me, you're saying set aside time, and it sounds also like boundaries. There are boundaries. So when Sabbath starts coming, yeah. you've already set a hard line, and it's a rule. No one, you know, do not disturb this rule because you respect each other and you respect each other's time enough to be able to set proper boundaries. Um, and I think that's really big. So knowing your boundaries um, and activities together sound like uh, something, anything else. I think that's really great, actually. Yeah, I think you've, you've summarized <laughs> it nicely. But yeah. Yeah. So uh, what will keep you uh, or both of you grounded? Generally when, uh, at least for me, traveling and going around, sometimes I can feel uprooted. Sometimes I can feel a little bit confused. Uh, not with, you know, so there's, a, there's, more, there's this moral compass also in the back of my head that keeps and it stays at a certain spot. And then sometimes, uh, well, if something happens in particular, you know, you could turn a blind eye or whatever it is. Uh, people have gauges like religion or um, each other um, or their their own boundaries. So how are you going to stay grounded, you know, with whatever you believe and you understand uh, while you're out there? One of the benefits of the hospital that we work at, um, we work with a lot of like-minded people. So mm. it's nice to be able to bounce ideas off of them and we have constant support from each other. Um mm -hmm. Irma, my, she's a doctor of physical therapy that graduated from Loma University about two years ago. Wow. She is an awesome, awesome help. And anytime I, I have questions, she, she just comes up with some of the best answers and is a great support system in Haiti for Annika and I. We, mm. The other folks that we live with that are from the U.S. that are down at the hospital working there or from other countries, have just been huge supports for us and have really helped kind of maintain that support system that we're used to in the U.S. where we can call our parents or whatever it is. Down there we have a support system that can help keep us grounded and we can ask questions to or ask for help with things or just go and, and talk about our miserable day and, and have <laughs> support from that. So that's been a really big help in staying grounded down there. Oh, amazing. Yeah, I think it's been that's been another thing that we've really enjoyed about um, Haiti is working with the expat community at HAH and it's just a, a really good group of people and um, you go through stuff together and you learn from one another and some people have been there longer and some people have been there shorter um, it's a team mostly from the US but we have a couple there from the Philippines um, oh, wow. and um, so just some it's a it's a good group and we support each other and we grow together. Um, and that's one of the things that, that really makes it fun is working with that, working with that team. So. We get the opportunity to work with like-minded individuals and that's such a blessing. Yeah. yeah that, and it that seems, helps. it seems that you also have a purpose um, I've, I've been like-minded individuals. There's some type of direction. You're saying, well, Melinda, I know there's um, there's an idea of God in there as well, I, I believe as well. And then there's like this also s encompassing moral compass. People agree on um, these ideas and they hold each other accountable. Is that is that something? Yeah, um, um, we believe we're down there doing God's work. 
Um, and so we we study the Bible together, and we are going through a book together, mm. um, and we are on it's it's just really you talk about the idea of synergy mm-hmm. and it's really cool to be able to work with the team that is we're not 100 percent on the same page all of the time <laughs> yeah. but we come from the same place and mm-hmm. um it's a safe place to be able to ask questions and explore and go through those challenges mm. together um and that's really cool yeah we're all there because we care yeah, yeah. No one is, no one is there begrudgingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we all have to be there. Yeah, um, and so that's a pretty, that's a pretty cool work environment. Yeah, that is one cool. <laughs> you guys have this, work. yeah, you guys have this idea. Excuse me, this idea of, uh, of respect, right? You respect each other. Uh, if you yeah. have something to say, you don't feel like somebody's going to judge you for saying something. And having a respect culture, uh, you can communicate on a higher level. Uh, without feeling that you have to protect yourself. Because I'm sure there are work environments, the people that are listening, there are work environments where you don't want to tell your boss something or you don't want to tell somebody something uh, just because you feel uncomfortable to let them know or to be corrected if you are wrong. And so that energy makes it very difficult to grow or difficult to have proper health care. What do you think? I would agree with that. I, I... I think that's a very nice way to say it. Uh, (laughs) The opportunity to have like-minded individuals where if we disagree on something, it's because we both care about it. Mm -hmm. It's not because we don't care. So it's not somebody just making a decision and then you go and confront that person and say, you know what, I really don't feel comfortable with X, Y, or Z. The reason we're all there is because we care. And that's such a great opportunity to work with people like that. And that you're hurt. Like, yes. Care about it. Care about you. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a good thing. Yeah. And, and that way problems don't have to just bubble up, you know. And sometimes in work environments, we can allow things to fester and not not talk about it. Just ignore it because it's easier. <laughs> um, yeah. but, but when you're in an environment that uh, is actually very difficult and it is harder to live life like in general, uh, you have more th- important things to worry about, so you would rather just talk about it honestly right at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're running we out of do, hot water. <laughs> yeah, we do. We all live on campus, and there is it's tough to live live very close to one another and work together all the time. Like, it would be very easy to harbor grudges in that type of an environment. Yeah. And so within our little community there, we have boundaries that we respect and we awesome. all let each other know before we just show up at someone's house and mm-hmm. on the weekends we try not to plan too many events so that we're we give the introverts some space and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like not let i guess not wear out your welcome mm-hmm. uh, that kind of concept where you don't get sick of one another <laughs> so that yeah. you can continue to have that pleasant working environment and pleasant social environment um all together oh. That's so nice. And in talking about environment and this clinic, so there's a lot of this. The talking about the clinic, it kind of gets me thinking, how exactly is this clinic going to get started? I'm just going to go back to the this clinic idea. And, um, Tim, you were talking about doing a clinic, an OMP clinic. And this clinic, um, so t- tell me how you're going to get this started. So 
while I've been there, we've actually had the opportunity to plan this out quite well. So there's a few different ways that patients can get referred to me. So on campus, we have a physician, uh, Dr. Scott Nelson and his um, team in orthopedics. We have a physical therapy department. We have an ER department. We have all of these different groups. And they are currently creating a list of patients that need services mm-hmm. and that would, that would like to be referred into that system. Mm. So first step is to start calling those patients off the list. So far, we have about 25 on that list. Whoa. We have another 20 or 25 patients that are being referred from a different hospital uh, relatively close in our area. Wow. And there's another list that's in the process of being created of folks that are um, in a very compromised position that are in need of services and would love to be able to get a free prosthesis that we're working out some plans and we're trying to design a program based around that. Mm. So there's kind of three pools of patients that are in the process of uh, lists are being created that we can call and get in contact with them. Mm -hmm. So that will be Basically, we have about 75 patients waiting for services, which is a blessing and a curse. The unfortunate yeah. part is we are not open yet. <laughs> oh, no. We have people to take care of when we can't open. So mm-hmm. the, the opportunity there is to get open as quick as we can, but life just has its own plans this year, and COVID mm-hmm. has, has been one of those things that, that changes timelines pretty quickly. So. We're excited to open, but we are waiting a little bit. But once we do open, we have some some really fun things in store and some great opportunities. Mm. I'm gonna I'm just gonna ask another question, just a little bit off the list here, just for both of you. How have you been operating with the understanding of COVID and how the how it's been affecting? I'll just call it 2020, just in case we get censored or whatever it is. So <laughs> the, the 2020 thing, um, how you've been dealing with it, <laughs> and uh, yeah. how have you guys been staying safe, um, or are you just taking the same risks as usual? I'll let Hanukkah answer this one because she's a little more adept at answering. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was working in a COVID ICU before I um, – came down to Haiti and so it's definitely different coming from that environment to working in Haiti there has not been nearly as much severe cases as COVID of COVID as what I was seeing in the ICU Mm -hmm. um it's just it should be running rampant but it it really hasn't and I don't really know why um Mm. I don't know if there's a lot fewer elderly people in Haiti there's a lot less smokers in Haiti um there's just um, less obesity. There's less obesity. Mm-hmm. There's just uh, on the whole a lot younger population, and so maybe there's you know less good hosts for COVID. Mm-hmm. But in either case, there is less severe. There are fewer severe cases of COVID that we've seen so far in Haiti, and we are deeply grateful for that. Oh, um, that's amazing. As far as dealing with COVID in Haiti, um, we were masked inside and a lot of the hospital is pretty open air i know that sounds a little funny but it has a roof over it but the (laughs) the breeze can move through it pretty well oh really Um, okay yeah which helps a lot with um makes 
makes it a little safer to be indoors than in a, a super sealed office building like mm-hmm. um, you might encounter in in the states. Yeah. Um, we wear masks inside. We don't um, like when you go to the grocery store. There's uh, people at the at the door um, checking to make sure that people wear masks. Oh. And oh, they're taking it seriously over there as well, then. Yeah. Mm, okay. Um, the masks that you use, sorry for interrupting, are they reusable or are they um, are they throw away? We are typically wearing cloth masks. Okay. That would make sense due to having transporting all these masks down there. I'm sure that the cost would be horrendous just yeah, doing I, that whole cycle. In the clinical setting, mm-hmm. there are disposable masks and N95 masks available. Oh. But the day use, we wear cloth masks um, mm-hmm. and try to uh, – Haiti doesn't have a super good waste disposal system. And so, <laughs> yeah. in general, we try to reduce our – uh, trash generation. Mm-hmm. So cloth masks is one way that we can do that. Wow, that that's awesome. I just wanted to divert into that because I, I feel like it's a big topic right now and a lot of missionaries and people maybe listening would want to know how are you dealing with it and it doesn't seem to be too much. It's an issue, right? It's something that's serious. Well, I feel... Try and reduce, feel, your, <laughs> reduce your contact. Yeah, just reduce your contact. Wash your hands, don't mm-hmm. touch your face. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel more likely to get coronavirus in the states than I do in Haiti. Yeah. Ah, okay. Well, then that's so really I, good. Yeah, it's actually quite pleasant in Haiti right now. Oh, really? It's calmer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh wow. It's much less as of right now, and I I can only speak to the current climate down there, but mm. it can change quickly in Haiti. But there's there are currently very few cases that are published about in the country. And what we're seeing in the hospital is relatively low numbers of, of cases. We, we do have the opportunity to test at the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure exactly on the numbers of what we've actually tested, but there's been some positives, but it's, very not, few positives. it's oh. not overwhelming on the ground, which is, again, a huge blessing. And yeah. we pray that that grace holds. <laughs> yeah, it just keeps, <laughs> it keeps on being so we good. Get through. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. And this hospital that you've been talking about, uh, you you work you work with a specific hospital. I know you've mentioned it a few times, um, just here indirectly, just mentioning the hospital you work at and the yeah, location work, of it. We work at um, the Adventist Hospital, Haiti Hospital. Uh, the name in in Haiti is L'Hôpital Adventiste. Yeah, you're, that's an email right there. Yeah, hospital, H A H, and it is in the southwestern quarter of Port-au-Prince, um, in a smaller suburb called Carrefour or Carrefour. Oh, okay, <laughs> I'm like I'm googling uh, furiously right now. <laughs> okay, awesome, Port-au-Prince. Port-au-Prince, which is the capital city. Okay. Capital of Haiti. Okay. Awesome. Uh, I wish I knew geography. I'm looking at it. <laughs> okay. Wow. It's pretty beautiful, actually. At least what I'm seeing here. There are some really, really pretty parts of Haiti. So Haiti's the original name of Haiti actually in Creole 
I'm sure I'm butchering this, but it's like Land of Mountains or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. So it's quite mountainous in Haiti. So you can, from the hospital, we can hike back up into the hills. We can climb about 2,300, 2,400 feet of elevation. Whoa. In about three, four miles. Pretty, pretty easy. Okay. So, How are you? <laughs> That's amazing. Well, then that just shows how much more prosthetics are needed. If that's the, the terrain they're walking yeah. in, holy, I don't think a wheelchair will do very well in this in this area. No, I'm just no. looking at it. We have wheelchairs uh, stocked up at the hospital that we struggle to give to patients because they're just not feasible in Haiti. Yeah, I'm looking at it. That's incredible. I mean, I think internationally, around the world, um, wheelchairs are not... Uh, very useful in, in a lot of cases. And some people just say they'll crawl. I, when I was in Ethiopia, I saw a bunch of people that they were paralyzed or they were crippled, but they would just crawl on their hands and they wouldn't use the wheelchairs. And I was a little bit confused until I started walking, you know, and then you realize, wow, there's no way any of these wheels would work out here. But I'm glad. No. Yeah, <laughs> not at all. The are too narrow. There's steps everywhere. Half of the population basically lives on the second floor anyways. So how <laughs> second floor. Can you explain that? Yes. Yeah, so population in at least Haiti, the, the main city, mm-hmm. is quite dense. So oftentimes, especially because the, the city is kind of on a hill, so mm. behind Port-au-Prince is a large mountain, and everything slopes down to the ocean. So okay. basically, everything is some sort of an angle all the way down to basically the beach. <laughs> wow. So houses are built on top of one another, and so to get into most houses, you have to climb some sort of steps or steep um, ramp, slope, ramp, stairs, like yeah, it's hills, <laughs> mountains. Oh it's, mercy! It's very steep. It's not super. It's not super wheelchair friendly. Oh mercy! It's not anything friendly. I wasn't there an earthquake at some point in Haiti as well. Correct. In 2010, mm-hmm. January 2010 was the they a had big a 7.0 7.0 earthquake that um, hit Haiti. The epicenter was um, a little bit south of Port-au-Prince that really decimated um, the the city of Port-au-Prince and many of the cities in Haiti. Wow. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to go into this because I think this is an interesting conversation. Um, what is your perception of Haiti when you weren't there, right? Uh, have you both... Have you both never been there before? That was a terribly sentence for you. <laughs> have some sentence we there. went to Haiti last year last in year? July. Uh, July... August 2019. Mm. Has your perception While changed? We, there, we we kind of understood a little bit more of the needs there. Mm, um, I see. I've been to a few different third world countries or developing nations, depending on what you want to call it. And the opportunities are great in Haiti. Mm. And I think that's the best way to, to say it, is there's great opportunities for development and, and aid in Haiti. Yeah. I... One of the, uh, a little bit about the terrain. When I first went to Haiti, I was expecting it to be a lot more flat than it is. I don't know why I got the impression that Haiti was <laughs> not very flat, but it is definitely a country of mountains. <laughs> um, and so that was one of the biggest surprises to me when I went to 
visit for the first time. Do you feel, do you both feel, just a question, do you guys both feel healthier after walking in Haiti? I mean, I feel like if what you're <laughs> saying is true, that means you're hiking everywhere. <laughs> we, yeah, we get a lot more exercise in Haiti than we were at our jobs in the States. <laughs> <laughs> you guys like it? Do you, you, do you feel better? Yeah. We enjoy going for hikes on Saturdays. So mm -hmm. We'll oftentimes either go to church or uh, watch an online service because we're still learning the language. It's a little, little discouraging sometimes to try and listen to a a Haitian uh, <laughs> Creole church service. So sometimes we'll watch online or something along those mm -hmm. lines. And in the afternoons, we like to go for hikes. So uh, eight ten mile hike is is not uncommon when we go out for hikes, and they're they're greatly enjoyed. Yeah, good for the mind, good for the body. <laughs> I believe you. I just have to get out there one of these days and <laughs> start doing what you guys are doing. That's amazing. I mean, I, I feel tired just here. Eight miles, mercy. I bike, too, on an electric bike, and I'm tired. I'm just tired. <laughs> and it, I'm not even doing anything. I'm just sitting there. That's amazing. And I'm just going to go right back to the clinic again. Um, what's the current? So, actually, you did explain the current state of the clinic. Uh, you're not seeing patients just yet, but you're going to. And then I guess the other question is how will it be self-sustaining? And you guys discussed the payment option, making sure some pay and then some don't. Do you feel that there's going to be resentment amongst the people if one of them pays and the another one doesn't pay? If one patient pays and another patient doesn't pay, do you feel like there might be something maybe so between them? One of them? the beautiful things is everybody gets the opportunity to discuss with the financial counselor. We're awesome. also going to have different levels of prosthetics. So in the U.S., we have something called K-level. Mm -hmm. So your activity level expresses how what type of prosthesis that you would qualify for. So we're going to do a similar concept. Mm -hmm. Everybody will get the opportunity to get a prosthesis, but you may get a varying level of prosthesis based on what you can afford. Okay. It's not going to be a perfect system, mm -hmm. but we have to start somewhere. And so I, that is our goal is to start there. We have some other plans in the works, but I, I hesitate to talk about those. Or yeah, well, that's fine. Have set in stone. <laughs> As they're developing, we can have conversations about that. That's awesome. And what is your next step? So both of you can answer this question. What are both of your steps when you get back? What are you going to do? What is your goal when you go to Haiti? So for me, some of my next steps, I've been working a lot on uh, putting together, testing biomedical equipment and putting together an inventory of that. Biomedical um, equipment, what do you mean by that? Uh, equipment Sorry. that is used to take care of patients in the hospital. For instance, a uh, machine that does suction is an example of biomedical equipment. An O2 concentrator is an example of biomedical equipment. Mm. What, do, um, what is the so significance of that device, the one that you just mentioned, just for the listeners? Uh, an oxygen concentrator or mm -hmm. just biomedical equipment? In uh, just an oxygen because this is an example, the oxygen concentrator. Oh, uh, an oxygen concentrator is something that can take um, regular room air and turn it into concentrated oxygen that can then be given to a patient via uh, a nasal cannula. Mm -hmm. um, so what's cool about those is instead of the oxygen coming from a bottle and then the bottle um, running out after 
uh, a certain after a certain amount of time is an O2 constant, an oxygen concentrator is able to continuously supply that oxygen as long as it has power and clean filters so that that um, patient can continue to get oxygen. And I think so, that's really useful. Wow. Yeah, they're great. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our goals in Haiti in the next little bit is to open up an intensive care unit. And so it was important to us to figure out what equipment we had, and mm-hmm. then we can evaluate what equipment we need in order to be able to do that. Got it. So when I get back, I'm going to be working, continuing to work on things that we need to do to set up the ICU, which is going to include education for the nurses and physicians there, mm. as well as uh, consulting on some of the physical requirements for that space, like making sure that we have the appropriate equipment mm-hmm. and facilities available to be able to open up that ICU. Mm. You know, it'd be really cool if um, if we had a list uh, you could email it or whatever it is. Um, and that way, if you need stuff over here, it'd be cool to have a, a running list. And then um, just to see how many people were able to donate or give it or whatever it is. I, I just think that'd be really cool, too. Yeah, I'd be happy to put that together and <laughs> share what it is that we're looking at needing. Yeah, because I think a lot of people maybe listening may not know what it takes to run a clinic or a hospital. And I think just to be able to see what equipment like the OT that you just talked about. And there's a lot more machines than that. There's a lot more medical equipment that, that you definitely need. And it'd be really interesting to see what it is that would take or um, how it's developing. And uh, how about you, Tim? What are you expecting to do when you get back to Haiti? So one of the things that I am currently working on is a, temporary kind of short-term housing for people coming to visit. So right now mm. we, we most recently had a couple that is getting ready to go into med school and they came and hung out with us for a couple months and they didn't really have a place to stay on campus. We have a place for groups of missionaries to come or people who are coming out to, to help the hospital and it's called the bunkhouse. So we have a bunch of bunk beds and different beds in a, a big 30 by 25 foot room with a bathroom and a small kitchen so we're creating two shipping containers that people will be able to kind of live in temporarily as they come and visit Mm -hmm. one of our goals is to expand our program to allow students from loma linda university in the orthotics and prosthetics program to cycle through on three-month rotations so Mm. this would be maybe temporary housing for them or there's many things that this housing i'm sure will get used for but i'm working on setting that up and getting a bathroom set up and some kitchens and wow. air units. And so that's kind of been a really fun project for me. Wow. Some other things I'm working on is getting my, uh, my office expanded. So right now I have a smaller office where I can't quite fabricate everything that I'm going to need to fabricate. Mm-hmm. I don't really have space for my oven. So there's a room next door that I'm going to be taking over once we empty it out. Mm-hmm. And that will give me some new opportunities for space, and we'll add a patient care section, a set of parallel bars. There's some really, some really cool stuff that's on its way that we're excited to set up in there, but haven't quite gotten the opportunity to yet. Wow, that's a lot. Are you doing uh, like uh, home improvements out there as well? Do you do 
Do you have a show out there? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> or how, do you have YouTube? Are you <laughs> you just you a do, DIY type of guy? Yeah. So I, I social media is not my my biggest strong point. But no, no, I'm just I, yeah. I'm pretty good at fixing most things. So we've done anything from chainsaw repair to working on autoclaves for the OR so they can keep their lifing um, equipment for surgery. So we, <laughs> there's, there's tons of work to do at a hospital and they're keeping me busy until that shipping container gets there. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, so you're a pretty hands-on guy just talking about orthotics and prosthetics, orthotics and prosthetics generally, a lot of hands-on, and you're just naturally gifted to repair and fix things? Is it because you break things all the time? Or no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, my mom would say yes. But, uh, when I was a kid, my mom would find me in the garage and a radio would be broken and I would be taking it apart looking at every single piece of the radio. Back then, uh, I couldn't put it back together to make it work. And, and since then, I've developed some skills to be able to do that. So uh, the <laughs> things oftentimes will get fixed and sometimes they don't. And that's unfortunate, but we live and we learn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mom, it's all broken. Now it's worse. Uh, that's too bad. <laughs> now you definitely Time to get, rid of it. Just yeah, get a new one. I mean, that that's an awesome gift that you were given. And I think if you have whatever gifts that you had, so you kind of started doing this in the beginning and then you got into orthotics and prosthetics. I know I'm going like way, way, way back just to your beginnings because it sounds like um, it was a passion of yours or how did you get into orthotics and prosthetics? So for orthotics and prosthetics, I kind of fell through the right door at the right time. So I went to Walla Walla University for my freshman year, and I oh, cool. undecided, mm -hmm. and I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to work with my hands, and I like working with people, and I like talking. So those two components, I couldn't quite exactly find what I was looking for, so I looked into nursing, I looked into physical therapy, which I got really excited about. I looked into engineering because I, I really liked working on mechanical things. You went to Walla Walla. And I didn't quite figure out what I wanted <laughs> yeah. to do, so I mm -hmm. took a year off uh -huh. and went to Micronesia and taught fifth grade for a year. Micronesia. And the summer after that, when I came back to the States, uh, my mom had met somebody named Han Shaper and told me about a program that was starting at Loma Linda University, and I should look into it. I said, Mom, no, 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 no. No, it's not going to be fun. I, you know, whatever. So long story short, my mom finally convinced me that summer to take a look at it. And I went back to um, – I while I was at home, I went and shadowed a couple people in the field of orthotics and prosthetics and was just absolutely sold. And went up to Walla Walla, did my prerequisites, and it was early on in the program. I applied. I got in my first, my first application and – got to start the program and just loved every minute of it, every minute of it since. So wow. it, was, it was lucky. <laughs> yeah, you found a passion that you really enjoyed. And Annika, uh, you did nursing. Did you I, have I, the same type of way of flowing in? Are you from Walla Walla as well? Um, I started, I did do my freshman and sophomore years at Walla Walla University. And I didn't really I also started undecided I didn't know what I wanted to do but I knew that I wanted to help people mm -hmm. um, and so I started out in nursing my sophomore year started the program and I didn't really like it that much mm. um, 
So I decided to take a year off and I went and homeschooled some kids in Guyana in South America. And I worked with a nurse and a nurse practitioner down there. And I saw what good they were able to do with their training as nurses. Mm -hmm. And I came back re-energized and concluded that that was what I wanted to do. And so then I finished, I transferred to Loma Linda and started the, or continued nursing, my nursing studies and graduated from Loma Loma Linda University with my nursing degree. And it's been great. Yeah. (laughs) i've never looked back so yeah that's awesome so both of you found passions and you've now been able to use that and implement it so it's not like working working you enjoy your jobs you enjoy each other's company and i think this whole talk we talked about setting boundaries um how you guys were able to uh, set boundaries and grow as a couple while you're out there in a mission trip staying grounded by using, by being around like-minded people, um, having people that are close like family, and then also your Bible readings and books, energy. I'm reading that as well right here and a respect for each other. And also working in Haiti at the Adventist hospital out there in Haiti. And I think that what you guys are doing is wonderful. I think it's pretty amazing and your passions all at once. To be honest, the Walla Walla to Loma Linda shift is a very, very normal. If anybody's listening, it's a very normal kind <laughs> of shift from one to the other. Um, it's amazing that you didn't become, Tim, I am amazed that you didn't become an engineer because Walla Walla is engineer and pastors. So mm-hmm. you, you did something totally not. <laughs> um Monica Div definitely went through the right path. It was like nursing. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, that's perfect. All right. I I just want to thank you so much for your time. And uh, a lot of the images and anything, any all the institutions that they've been talking about, uh, I'll put alongside on the comments below. If you could just share, like, and subscribe. If any, if Tim or Annika want to say anything else, um, I'm just going to open up the floor. And if you have any advice for couples and any advice for um, those that are interested in missions or not sure. And then lastly, any advice for those that are unsure of their career choice. Yeah, well, I think it's really important um, to, to, I come from a, a Seventh-day Adventist Adventist background and a Christian perspective, Um, and so for me, a big part of this whole journey has been uh, faith in God and doing the things, you pray and you ask for guidance, and then you do the things that you have peace with. Um, there's a verse that I love in the Bible that says that, uh, you will hear a voice behind you saying, uh, this is the way walk in it. And that to me, a critical moment spoke to me and said, uh, here's the way walk in it. Um, and so that I feel like God has been an important part of our journey through our educational um, journeys and also with our journey to where we are at HAH. Um, and so I would encourage if you are considering going into the mission field that you 
pray, ask for guidance, and do what you have peace with. Um, and in the same way as you're considering your career path, um, pray, ask for guidance, do what you have peace with. Mm, that is amazing. Um, that it's, I don't know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's guided us wrong. Yeah. So. And the verse she was talking about is Isaiah thirty twenty one. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ear, ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Thank you so much for that verse. That's awesome. And Tim, any other uh, thoughts? I think you just have to, to do what you feel, feel comfortable with and do what you feel you are led to do. I, I have always asked God to make the decision easy and the path will be as hard as it may be. But God has always made it easy to get somewhere. So as we moved to Haiti, God made it very easy for us to go there. It doesn't mean the experience is going to be easy, but the opportunity to get down there and the, the, the path leading there was very easy to get to. And we, we've been very blessed to have the opportunities that we have. Yeah, it was clear that that was where we needed to go. And so we went. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time. And thank you, listeners, as well. I just want to thank everybody again, once again, for listening and, and being a part of this. And I'm just so happy to be able to hear from Tim and Annika. And hopefully we can hear more about their story, um, hear about what their mission is and what their goals are going to be for the future. And also just some updates about Haiti. So, and in, on that note, that's all, folks. Have a good night and have a good day. <laughs>